Hello everyone, and welcome to The Good Lawyer Show. This week we're changing it up. Instead of Brett and I bringing on a guest to interview, we bring you an episode of the Reform Millennials podcast where Brett was invited on as a guest a couple months ago and gives a great overview of the problems facing the legal industry and what problems Good Lawyer aims to solve. The Reform Millennials podcast is hosted by Joel Shackleton, a portfolio manager at Gold Investment Management, and Brock Pachelik, a growth marketing whiz. The show aims to keep you up to date on the latest trends and events shaping our world so that you can better invest your time and energy into things that actually matter. Honestly, it's fast become one of my favorite podcasts. Not only do they do a great job of keeping you informed, but they actually have quality, interesting Canadian content, which I don't think I need to tell any of you is not always the easiest to come by. If you do need any investment advice, please do check out Joel, and I will link to his bio in the show notes. I've actually been meaning to get my meager investment fund into his hands for the last couple months, but what can I say, I'm a procrastinator. Just a quick note, the original recording of this podcast was back in March, so some of the information will be dated. That being said, the message of what Good Lawyer is about comes through loud and clear. Without further ado, please enjoy this week's episode. Hello and welcome to our Thursday morning tour series. This series is dedicated to highlighting millennials who are breaking the stereotypes and courageously using new technology to make an impact and improve their lives. Learn more and stay up to date at reformmillennials.com or join the discussion in the Facebook group also named Reform Millennials. In this episode, we're talking with Brett Colvin. He's the CEO of Good Lawyer. What we're going to chat about is his former life as a lawyer at BLG, what caused him to start his new company, Good Lawyer, talk a little bit about the company and what problems it solved, and then lastly, get his take on what's next for legal advice for small businesses. So thanks for coming on, Brett. I appreciate you taking the time. Thanks for having me, Brock. Happy to be here, guys. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, you've we have a little bit of a background uh, met a few times, and I, I got a little bit of the the story from you to, over coffee. But for everybody else, can you tell us just like your background as coming up as a lawyer and working in the corporate world? Yeah, for sure. Um, I'll run through it pretty quick, but uh, I guess it would have started for me uh, finishing my my undergrad, not really knowing what what I wanted to do. Dad pushed going to law school pretty hard, and then Is he was a lawyer. No, no, he was a stockbroker. Okay. Yeah. But his, but his best man and best friend was a lawyer, uh, Barry. And uh, Barry did pretty well for himself. So my dad always was like, you should be a lawyer too. You're smart. You should do that. Um, he <laughs> passed away when I was 22. I didn't know what to do exactly. And, uh, you know, I didn't want to be an accountant, which was what my undergrad was in. So I, uh, I decided to roll the dice and went to law school, which is very different than a lot of the people I went to law school with who, you know, had grown up kind of envisioning being a lawyer. So I just kind of stumbled my way there uh, without a lot of intent. Was that an obvious, I mean, obviously it was a tough decision, but was that an immediate thing? Like you finished an accountant undergrad and you're just like, let's go for it. I ran a painting business for eight months. Made oh, a, really? Painters Pro or whatever? University first class. Yeah. Yeah. I ran that with my buddy. We called it Colvin Ritchie Painting. I love uh, it. Yeah, we did. We did pretty good. We made a bunch of money that summer, and then uh, I got back and started law school. And then, uh, yeah, law school was amazing. A ton of fun. Learned a lot. Um, but 
I did a paper in my second year on access to justice and saw how big of a problem and how few people are actually getting legal help. And then it put me in sort of this different frame of mind from a lot of my peers who had no appreciation for this huge access crisis and, you know, were actually freaking out about there not being enough jobs. So I was stuck in the middle being like, we barely service, you know, the we serve such a small percentage of the population, which is about 25%, and yet there's too many of us, and we have a monopoly on uh, the provision of actual legal services, not the doc aut- automation, that kind of stuff. So I was just in, I was just perplexed by the fact that there was like we weren't helping that many people, and there was too many of us. So I felt like there was some big gap yeah. in the market, and that's kind of when the wheels started turning. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so give me the timeline. Like, what, from the time that you did that paper, that idea was percolating. Then I know you registered a domain name, and there was a another like kind of anecdotal story behind that. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, give give us a timeline from like when that idea started to you eventually like, incorporating the company and getting the wheels in motion. Yeah, so I wrote that paper second year law school, and shortly after that, uh, I bumped into a coffee guy that I had gone to all the time during my business days. And he remembered me and I told him that I was, uh, I was in law school now. And he just, I remember he's like this older Lebanese guy and he just like got all serious and looked at me and like pointed his finger at me. He was like, be a good lawyer. Be a good lawyer. And so you ran home and got every good lawyer domain? Sunk in and a week later I bought the domain, goodlawyer.ca and a couple other ones. And just sat on it for the next six years pretty much. Yeah. Finished That's law school. Amazing. Yeah, I worked, uh, worked at the big firm. I worked at BLG for about four years. Uh, did a little stint in Vancouver in-house at Coast Capital. And, you know, things were pretty good. I was making a lot of yeah. money. Had a, had a pretty good gig, gig going. But, uh, again, I just couldn't, couldn't get over the fact that, like, you know, they were billing me out at four four fifty an hour, I just was wasn't lack. I just didn't have a lot of purpose in in what I was doing at the time. Um, great career, but I just wanted to help more people, uh, and didn't think that the ways that we were going about it were gonna gonna be able to solve that problem. Can you talk a little bit more about the decision from being a lawyer in this high paid gig that a lot of people aspire to? You know, it's a lot of commitment to be able to get into that position, and then taking the risk of doing your own startup. Because from my experience, a lot of people that end up starting their own thing maybe don't have such a, a risk. They're, they're not really giving up much. It was just, you know, they're looking for that purpose as well, but, you know, they're not already a doctor, a lawyer, that kind of thing. So what, mm-hmm. uh, what was going through your head at that time? Well, my bank account can attest to the fact that there was a stark difference in lifestyle after you. <laughs> Again, I, I never really saw myself going going down the whole path of partnership at a big firm. Um, it just didn't seem like something that would fit my personality very well. Um, very bureaucratic. Again, like the, the compensation was, was very nice, but um, I was looking for more than, more than just a fat paycheck. So um, again, it had been percolating for years. My original co-founder, who's actually gone back to practice now, Steve, he, uh, he and I were scheming all the time, talking about the future of law, researching all that kind of stuff while we were working. And then it was really when I got back from Vancouver, because I was out there for a year, 
that me and Steve really were like, okay, it's time. Let's take, let's take a run at this. We moved yeah. in together for our last year while we were at the firm, hired Parker, who's our CTO. And, uh, that's when we really kicked things off. So we, we built it for a year out of our apartment, just like in the, like Parker would be working there all day. We'd be there in the evenings, you know, we'd work till midnight and that's how we got the first iteration of the app up. And we did that for about a year. And then Parker was chomping at the bit to put this in people's hands. So it was, it was at that time that we made the decision to, to leave the firm and uh, take a run at Goodler. That's awesome. Can you Ray, talk a little bit about the evolution of like the idea? Before we left to also help the decision. Yeah, I'd imagine. But I know like from talking to you beforehand, Good Lawyer kind of evolved as an idea. What, what did it start as and what is it now? Yeah, so the first iteration that we built, it was more Upworky, where it was more quote-based. Clients came in and, and made requests. Again, we had just kind of beta tested this product. We hadn't really pushed it out into the market. We did at the very end, but um, it only lived in this state for a little while because we just weren't finding that we were adding as much value as we could by just populating quotes into like lawyers' inboxes and then requesting that they you know provide fixed fee quotes back. So we started with this quote system, which is how a lot of the platforms, specifically in the U.S., uh, are designed, and we moved one step further to fixed fee services. So your real estate deal, your will, your incorporation, your shareholders agreement, kind of all the box packages of legal services that already exist in the market. Some lawyers do them at fixed rates, a lot don't, um, but we just packaged those up and then we had sort of this Airbnb style, you show up, you pick you know, your practice area, you pick your service, and we'd have lawyers pop up with reviews, prices, the scopes would be defined. Um, and that was better, but it was still, it was still a hard sell as a brand new website to get people to pull out their credit cards, you know, and spend a thousand bucks on this website. Um, yeah. We felt like they, they needed to actually connect with the lawyer before they'd be willing to make that kind of a big purchase decision, which I totally get. And then within that framework, we, we had a couple of these microservices being the quick advice sessions and the per page document reviews. And those were the ones that were actually getting picked up way more frequently. So we made the tough decision. It was actually at the same time that Steve went back uh, to a different firm. We kind of rejigged the equity. Tom and Parker, uh, our other two co-founders, really got more involved uh, from, uh, from a management perspective. And that's when we went all in on these microservices because we saw with these tiny little bite-sized pieces of legal work, we were able to add a tremendous amount of value. Because a lawyer that like there's so much work associated with opening and getting paid on a file just because of law, law, law society rules and that kind of thing, that lawyers don't offer them. So they just they just can't economically offer these tiny bite-sized pieces of help, which is what a lot of people are looking for. You know, it's, it feels a lot of the time like in law, you're always going to like the, you know, Rolls Royce to get the, you know, to get the work done on your car when all you want is to like go to the local mechanic and get like something affordable that gets the job done. So that's really what our focus has been is, is opening up this new piece of the legal market in a way that a lot of these people that can't afford legal services can get introduced to the market. Yeah. The is that a problem that you heard from people when you were working in BLG? Oh man, I mean, I think it's known pretty widely throughout society that uh, lawyers are expensive. Yeah. 
I mean, but I, I just was, mean I was the whole under- like you said you're getting billed out at four fifty an hour, so it was just so like we were talking about this earlier. It's this is just my opinion, but is it kind of like the American healthcare system where you know it seems like it's going to be so expensive, so people just opt out of it and try and avoid going to the doctor at as much as much as they can? A hundred percent, it's like that. Um, it, it is expensive, but the perception on its own definitely keeps a ton of people away entirely. And like there are pro bono and legal aid options in Alberta, but the income levels that you have to be at to access those services typically are poverty level low. Uh, So you have this huge segment in the middle that still can't afford a lawyer, but doesn't, doesn't qualify for those types of things. And there's just not enough of it. So I didn't like the fact that there was, it was either, you know, try to nickel and dime your way into some pro bono option and get some free help or, you know, be truly impoverished and access legal aid or nothing or this expensive, you know, Rolls Royce dealership option, which, you know, there are firms that are certainly more affordable than the big shops that I was working at. But, you know, even your, your small firm in Calgary, they're still charging out at 250, 300 bucks an hour. And the kicker is they utilize such a small amount of their day. 40% 40% of all lawyers in the U.S. are solos. Those solos make an average of 65 k a year. And a third of them have second jobs or side hustles. The number one being Uber driving. Yeah, I read somewhere, I think it was a Clio stat, right? The the total utilization of your average lawyer was something like three hour, two or three hours a day. 20%. Yeah. So there's this ton of extra capacity for lawyers that if we can fill it, they're able to offer services at a hugely discounted rate. Yeah, it seems like a big opportunity. I'm, I'm going to let Joel step in because he's got more experience actually working and utilizing the legal system. I know he has some specific examples of uh, times that he's used it and whether or not it might be applicable for the good lawyer product. Yeah, yeah. so... I mean, in, in regards to examples, I mean, I'm again, I am by no means a legal expert, and which is the reason why I, I very much need to hire it out. But uh, I want to use a, a, a current um, situation that I'm going through right now. So um, I'm in the process of raising money for business, a small business, um, decently sized. But the people that we're raising money from have um, with the person that I'm raising money for or with uh they're significantly more experienced, especially compared to that person. Um, they have more resources. They're wealthier. Um, and quite frankly, the person starting his, or this being his, his startup business in, a lot, in almost every sense, doesn't have a team behind him. And as I go through your guys' website and I get to know you a little bit better, it seems as though this might be the perfect solution for somebody who's Uh, perhaps needing a really competent team, but doesn't have the ability to pay a $500 an hour rate. Um, Would that be accurate? And if so, how would that, how how would that occur? How would we, how would we work through this? I mean, yeah, that I I will slam dunk that layup all day. Um, (laughs) Absolutely. I think, you know, in that scenario, the way that I would envision good lawyer being utilized is if you have you know, if you have someone coming in, we're going to call him the big fish, you know, likely has a lawyer if uh, he's coming with serious financial resources and past business experience. And that's great. And that's like a trusted relation or a trusted advisor relationship that, you know, is special and like wouldn't expect to, to break that up. 
But where I see good lawyer coming in is the startup founder that doesn't have that type of relationship, doesn't have the financial resources to have that type of relationship. And good lawyer offers this new avenue to get some seriously good advice at a, at a bite-sized price. So, you know, I think for a guy like that, maybe you're not going to retain the lawyer to help negotiate the whole agreement, but for 40 bucks, you get on the phone, phone with, with an expert who's going to be able to provide you with some serious direction and highlight some red flags that you, you might, you might've just missed. I mean, to me, it just seems like a no brainer. Um, not only that, it's, it's, you found a solution for, um, in my opinion, a gap in the market where you have the unfortunate reality where, and I think this is almost where Vanguard and, and BlackRock have come in, in my industry where they've solved the, oh, you're not rich enough to, um, to afford quality advice. Mm -hmm. And you, you've, you've come in, provided that quality advice at scale, and then you're able to then service the, the, the smaller fishes that you're, you're, you're referring to. Um, oh, to me, it seems like kind of something we've been needing for so long. Well, it's funny, the whole industry really, you know, the whole legal industry is so focused on this tiny subset of clients with a lot of means to pay high hourly rates. And there's just this enormous opportunity. I think Brock's word for it was the blue ocean of all of these people that are completely left out of the legal services market. Um, and again, like I think you'd be surprised how useful 15 minutes talking to a lawyer can be, uh, especially if you have a scenario like you just described, you know what's going on, you know what the issues are. Being able to talk to an expert that's on your side can be invaluable. Um, and, you know, it's one of those things you don't know what you don't know. And it was amazing when we started Good Lawyer the first time. I mean, I was like the first Uber driver per se with my co-founder. And that was one of my big questions for myself was, can I add value to someone in 15 minutes? And from numerous experiences, you know, nine times out of 10, maybe more, there's a huge value add just because there's things that lawyers are trained that you just would never think about as like, you know, someone without that experience. Right. So you told me, go ahead, sorry, Joel, I was just going to ask Brett about uh, a couple of the stories that he's mentioned offline about in those early days when you and Steve were doing the calls yourselves and providing access to some of those people that maybe were disenfranchised. Can you, can you share a couple of those? <laughs> well, yeah, I'll share, I'll share a really good example. Um, this was a, a pretty cool thing that we were able to help with. Um, there was a bunch of uh, Filipino students who had done this class in Calgary through some organization. Um, I can't share the names, but they did this class and they thought that they were they, they were told that they were going to be getting this certification so that they could um, you know do home care, that kind of thing. Anyways, jumping ahead, they finished the course, you know, took out these big loans, which were partly provided by the school, paid for this course, and at the end of the day, were never certified. And so they, you know, now they're in debt. A bunch of these Filipino immigrants don't have a certification, so they're not going to be able to get the jobs they were looking for, and they were just hooped. They came across Good Lawyer, and uh, my co-founder, Steve, the price was obviously a huge concern, and, like, we tried to, you know, make it as affordable as possible, but what ended up happening was... Steve went and met like, 10 of them in a mall food court 
and they didn't have credit cards so they all came with 20 bucks and steve spent steve spent two hours with them in the food court walking through their case and like explaining what their options were um so that that was just a like a, a small example of like getting creative yeah and you know steve was still getting paid for his legal services at like a fairly reasonable rate and we were able to help a ton of these people because we were creative and i think that the more creative we can get in uh as lawyers and in the legal services market especially in terms of how we deliver our services uh i think there's a, a lot of room to to help a lot more people really call steve aaron brockovich from now on <laughs> oh yeah, dude. yeah it was good it was it was so good man it was so good um so kind of switching gears a little bit um if if what i've been thinking about a lot lately is that in my opinion there's been a at least from what i've heard from a lot of my friends that have um recently graduated from law school and they're articling they seem to have come to the conclusion where they're not especially in alberta they haven't been able to be compensated properly so school's expensive and then they get out and then obviously people at the top they get they get the benefit of all of these people that work in that bullpen that lifestyle would this be a like an decent option for these people to uh, perhaps uh, gain some bearing, um, per, um, make some money and and access a different market? Because to me, if, if these people are coming out of school with significant student loans and they're not really able to service those loans to the degree in which they expected, this is a really great option because it's it's a I mean, it's an op it's a growing market, in my opinion. It's also much larger and less competitive. Would that would you agree with that? Uh, absolutely. I mean, the one thing I would say is in Canada, with a couple exceptions in schools that they've created in Ontario that sort of provide an alternative option, everyone has to article in Canada, which means that you need to have a lawyer supervising you for a year. And that's distinct from a lot of the jurisdictions in the US where you write a bar exam and you are a lawyer. So. For the lawyers in the States, um, good lawyer could be an instant solution, like as soon as you write the bar exam. But for lawyers in Canada, you really do need to, to find that articling position, which is challenging. And it's one of those things that it's ancillary to what we're focused on. But I mean, good lawyer is already helping some students try to source articling positions just because it can be challenging. So that's an area that I'd like to explore more moving forward. And then as soon as the lawyers are done articling, we do have a couple of guys on the site that are, you know, in their second, third year. And this has been a hugely valuable asset, I would almost say, um, to start building, building their own book and building their own own brand within the, the legal market. So uh, we did a we did a little uh, video with our one of our first good lawyers, Rick Siebel. And uh, yeah, he's been he's been generating a ton of clients through the site. And and he's a very junior lawyer. So um, that is a huge piece of the puzzle once we've got a, a little more resources because my, my only concern is like maintaining a really high caliber of legal service over the platform. And when you start using more junior lawyers, there's gonna inherently be a little more variability there just because they're less experienced. But the way that I see it, and I'm stealing a bit of this from my days in the painting world, and the franchise where, you know, they gave you a playbook, they gave you a little bit of training, and they sent you out there to go paint people's houses. Like, 
there could be something akin to that in the legal services world where good lawyer provides a bit of a playbook and some training and we just brought on a woman named amy group who's amazing lawyer coach um where you know you go through the the amy or the good lawyer training and then we're comfortable with you providing certain services and that would be a way for these junior lawyers that you know can't the the small firms can't afford to keep them on salary but if you have this supplemental business on the side that you're starting to work on because they're willing to offer services at rates, you know, lower than anyone else, we're really able to start pushing the price down, but, you know, opening up sort of way as opposed to like driving, you know, the top down. No, absolutely. I, I to me, it seems like you're, you're, you're addressing a market that is underserviced significantly. Um, mm-hmm. And in addition to that, it's a, an industry that's trying to find its way. So if you're a small business owner between the sizes of, just raising money seed stage to you're developed you've ran for two years but you have four people involved you haven't even put together any sort of shareholder agreement you don't it's oh. really a joke but a lot of these these companies turn into something that matters right mm-hmm. and and they become successful but they never get advice until they're at a size in which they can afford a, it's not over it's not encumbering but it, it can be especially at the beginning stages the 500 an hour so it's to me there's that massive gap that you're you're trying to fill here so if I'm a if I'm a business owner starting up, one of the things that I've at least I'm I'm very confused about the the whole legal space because there's so many different um, angles. You mm-hmm. have a whole bunch of of uh, different competencies. So what do you guys mostly focus on? So our focus right now is on you know the small business, the entrepreneur, largely because that's an area that you know. Me and my co-founder came from and understood. It's a market that is, you know, massively underserved, and it's a market where um, people are 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 getting by without using lawyers. You know, they're downloading contracts off the internet, they're Frankensteining things together from friends' contracts, and and they're getting by, but they're also getting hosed sometimes. And that's that's the place where we want to educate, you know, these entrepreneurs, these small business owners that. Hey, like law doesn't have to be scary, intimidating and crazy expensive, but it actually can be a big value add and it helps you protect yourself and like avoid massive pitfalls down the road. Um, so that's the area that we're starting. But, you know, even with Corona, like the, I don't want to you know be too negative on the podcast, but like with all the stuff going on there right now, we see this. There's going to be this huge influx of employment employee issues you know, from people staying home. And then another one that's going to hit so hard and it hasn't hit yet is going to be uh, people breaking their leases. Because you got this huge service industry of people that are check to check, you know, renting and they're not going to be able to pay. So, you know, are, are we going to have this enormous eviction or, you know, like what's going to happen? So that's another area we're, we're trying to put together this uh, free tool that people can use to find some information, but also provide access to to you know, lawyers for forty bucks that can explain what's going to happen if you can't pay your rent and what are your options. Oh, that's fast. You know what? I, I'm so excited for you to be honest with you because um, to me you're falling in that. Because to me, when I go on to those uh, those websites and try to find contracts, and I'm I'm being cheap, especially when I was between the ages of 22 and 25, and I was doing stupid things. Um, that was where I went, and I was totally. and I just thought to myself, I'm just like, what the hell am I doing? Like this is insanity. This is way no no matter how I look at it, I'm terrified. And the the idea of me putting this together with uh, 
pieces of paper from my first Google's Google search is just kind of insanity. And the fact that you guys are willing to come in and smooth that process between high end and then also do that, but um, between ultra expensive lawyers and um, <laughs> a 12 piece document you found on Google with one search is incredibly important. So um, I just, yeah, I, I love your, your guys's opportunity ahead of you. Appreciate that, my friend. And then, you know, that there is like, I've noticed this from, I grew up in a house full of psychologists and uh, I've noticed this from practicing as a lawyer. I'm a, I'm a pretty personal kind of guy. And what I find with a lot of these calls too, is people aren't just looking for legal advice. They're looking for reassurance and there's no better place to get reassurance than from talking to an expert. So, you know, I think some of those automated platforms are great and they're, you know, opening up a whole new world, but I'd like to see lawyers using those more and, you know, coupling that with like expedited document, but also with like some explanation as to what it means, what your risks are, and just providing a bit of that personal reassurance that, uh, from my experience, most clients are craving. Right, we talk I mean, a lot about on the podcast finding waves, like big momentum shifts in the technology we're using or habits that people have. We've kind of identified that you know a lot of articling or new lawyers might be able to get trained and provide their services on your platform. But what would you say, like in your experience, what would you say five years from now the legal system looks like? Is it going to be as simple as me, you know, opening up an app? skip the dishes style to be able to incorporate my company or what do you see happening? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think that will happen because I plan on making it happen. <laughs> I, I think that's exactly where, where law should be going. And, you know, we've got a, a team of about five of us right now and we're, we're almost there. I think that there's still going to be all of your traditional types of legal service. You know, the firms are, the firms aren't going anywhere. Yep. I think they're just going to be supplemented with with products like Good Lawyer that uh, you know open the basket to a lot more people. Law is currently like a one trillion dollar global industry. Half of that is in North America, and we're just like the tip of the iceberg. What, uh, it's a random question, but like, what do you think? Is it going to take something like this event right now to shift people's habits? I know iPhone was the big shift for Uber drivers and ride sharing because all of a sudden now you have the ability to to hail a cab like from an app, right? If you didn't have an iPhone, you wouldn't have an Uber. Do you think this type of event in the economy is is what's required or do you think what what do you think is going to be the instigator to change people's habits? Cuz right now it's the same we talked about this earlier, but I even feel this way myself is it's daunting. It's scary. Joel mentioned this, you know, trying to call a lawyer. You just feel intimidated like you have zero leverage going to this conversation. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, you know, think about think about calling a cab right now. Like how unattractive is that? Yeah. You know, I, and I think I think I think we will get there when you have the option to download an app. If you're a small, especially a small business owner, because that's another piece of, of that puzzle with them is that they have these recurring legal needs. Your average, your average like consumer ideally does not have a ton of recurring legal needs or they're trying desperately to avoid them. I'm sure there are areas that, you know, again, it could be more value add that they're not touching on right now. But um, the small business owner is really the one with this recurring legal need. And if you can go in your pocket and get on a you know, phone with a lawyer or get on a call, like a video call with a lawyer in five minutes, 
or get a document reviewed at you know half the price yeah that you would just upload from your phone again um i think that it's going to be hard for the firms to compete in the long run because the convenience is just going to be so extreme and i mean for me personally like i use i use apps for everything like yeah to get like my lawn mode and like (laughs) shit like that. Like, like I seriously, and like, it's so affordable. Like the guy comes and cuts this huge lawn for like 25 bucks and I get a picture that it's done. Like I'm going to do that all day. You know what? That's, that's absolutely true. And I'm, 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 I, for myself, even I, if there's an app for it, I'm going to use it. So the fact I'm just, I, I continue to peruse your website and it's the whole retainer, option and the it's so simple that it makes me it makes it makes me feel very comfortable um you guys have done a really nice nice job putting things together here and well and, and again you know i want to say this too it's still so early like that yeah. is like that is just the infancy of where you know good lawyer is going so um you guys got to check back tomorrow because the the new site's launching so uh, it'll look a little different tomorrow launching in the face of chaos i love it yeah yeah, and well, and that's the thing too is like, I feel really lucky to have kind of again like I didn't have any early life goals of becoming a lawyer, hanging out in this world at all. But I feel ru- really lucky to have kind of stumbled here because there's this enormous problem and an industry that really doesn't know how to how to address it. And you know. Very few, I, I consider myself like purebred entrepreneur. Like I've been running little business. I had my brother selling golf, like finding me golf balls so I could sell them when I was four years old kind of thing. So like for a guy like me to actually go through seven years of school and become a lawyer and then work at a you know big shop for four years, like it's very unusual, I think. And I feel really lucky to be in this sort of wave because the industry is in this wave of transition right now, very early still in that wave but they're looking for new solutions and there's just not a lot of entrepreneurs in that world to to come up with them so getting to like be part of that wave and add this huge value to society that like which i really strongly believe in like you know take a peek into the access to justice crisis because it's crazy like you know 80 percent of family law litigants in canada are self-repped like people going to court over their kids with no help um so there's like this opportunity to, to to roll with this wave and help a ton of people with like some of their most intimate problems. Yeah. One last question for you, Brett. In terms of, I mean, I know you guys are in Calgary. I've all me and Joel talk about this all the time. But is there anything like how how is your experience being starting a a company, a brand new tech startup in Calgary, in Canada? Do you think there's anything that the government could be doing or? <laughs> Uh, facilitating you better because we got to like I don't know we, we're trying to stimulate innovation as much as possible we need people like you coming up with these you know life-changing ideas for people so like well, what's your experience how do you think they could be doing a better job well Jason Kenny is killing me <laughs> we uh, we raised almost half a million bucks under the uh, AITC the Alberta investor tax credit and without that tax credit, it would have been, I think, significantly harder to to raise that money. And so we did it. We did as much as we could, um, but they took that away. And I mean, for me, that there's a ton of way, a ton of avenues that they could they could improve. You know how they're helping startups, but that was a that was just an easy one. 
like just leave the investor tax credit where it is because it's hugely helpful and bc has one and no manitoba and saskatchewan have 45 percent tax credits so you know that was uh that was definitely a big shot to us in terms of uh our ability to raise money locally because there is a lot of money locally in calgary um and they're looking for places to put it so that would be my that would be the best thing they could do is bring that back um the community itself in Calgary is growing, but it's still, you know, quite small. So I don't, I'm pretty isolated in Calgary. Like I've traveled a lot and I've, I've lived in other places, but not in the startup world. So um, we've done a little bit of adventuring in Toronto, but I don't really know what it's like to, you know, be building a startup down in San Fran or, or anywhere or even in Vancouver. So uh, I don't have a lot of comparables, but it's, it's growing slowly, but surely here in Calgary. Yeah. It's good feedback. Anything else you think people should know about Good Lawyer? Well, we're going to be putting out this uh, Corona information package or COVID-19 information package uh, in the next 24 hours. That will go live. And uh, yeah, if you're looking for a good lawyer, you know where to find it. Awesome. Thanks so much for hanging out with us, Brett. If people want to, obviously, goodlawyer.ca is a website, but where can they connect with you personally? Uh, yeah, so goodlawyer.ca, and then uh, my email is brett, B-R-E-T-T, at goodlawyer.ca. Uh, and yeah, anyone listening, feel free to shoot me an email. I'd love to hear from you. Appreciate it, man. Right on. It was a pleasure. Thanks to the Reform Millennials for allowing us to piggyback off their episode this week. We stole it, and we don't even care. But if you did like what you heard, please do check out the Reform Millennial podcast. It is fantastic. Like I said, they're always keeping me informed. And after listening to them, I feel like I'm smarter for it, which what more can you ask? As always, if you like what you heard on this show, please rate, download and subscribe. Until next time, we hope you have a great week.